Before we get to today's episode of Off the Bench on the Wizards Podcast Network, we want to remind you to download the Wizards app on the go and in the palm of your hand. The official Washington Wizards team app is your mobile home for all things Wizards. Everything you need to know when it comes to game previews and recaps, radio broadcasts, and stats, all at the touch of a button. You can even access the Monumental Sports Network and the Wizards Podcast Network with ease. Download the official Wizards team app today. What's up, Wizards fans? Welcome to another episode of the Off the Bench podcast presented by the Alibaba Group and part of the Wizards Podcast Network. I'm Jackson Filio, joined by Zach Rosen, as always. Um, on today's episode, we have Josiah Johnson, uh, one of the most notable names in NBA Twitter, a former UCLA basketball player. Um, if, if you're on, on Twitter during NBA games, you know who he is. We have a, a really fun interview with him coming up. Uh, but before we dive into that, we would be remiss if we did not mention that uh, this episode will be our last with Zach Rosen here. He is off to um, to something new, a new chapter. I'm not going to talk around it. He's here. He'll explain the deal. And, uh, you know, obviously um, he's been a part of this podcast for, for quite a bit now and has been a huge part of uh, our department and everything that any Wizards fan sees across all the different digital platforms, websites, social uh, you know, Zach has been one of the biggest voices behind that. So what he does will be missed. But, um, you know, Zach, you've heard it a million times. You know what you have meant to this team. And, you know, I know you got to, you know, get a, a nice goodbye message from the coach and players before the season ended. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that meant a ton. But uh, I'll let you kind of talk through it a little bit. Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for the, the kind words. Um, it's been five years of nothing but great experiences and the ups and downs of about every possible angle you can imagine, starting with a fantastic playoff season that kind of came out of nowhere after a slow start, a few other playoff years, some down years. Um, and then obviously this year was probably the encapsulation of a roller coaster if you've ever had one. And, you know, the last year and a half were, were hard uh, in the bubble and then with the testing and everything that we went through. But uh, I feel like I, I'm leaving on a very positive note uh, things are really looking up and I'm excited to see what the team has in store. And I'll obviously always be a fan, um, but it, it's been a pleasure and a dream come true. Even though the wizards aren't my hometown team, it was always fun to, you know, just be involved in the content, get to know everyone uh, involved on the team side, the players, the coaches, broadcasters, front office. And, you know, we went through a lot of changes uh, over my time, but everyone was always the greatest and, and understood the value uh, of what we brought on the content side. So um, this podcast, of course, was one of the, the bigger projects that I revamped when I started um, just kind of getting guests on besides everyone just listening to us talk through the years. Um, I figured we could spice it up a little bit. So we did that and we launched the podcast network and all that good stuff. And we've been able to talk to some really amazing guests over the years. So um, I know this podcast will continue to go and today's guest is a, a great one just to talk about the culture and, and NBA Twitter and all that. Um, heading over to Priority Sports Entertainment, which is a sports agency that represents uh, a lot of guys in the NBA and the NFL, including Bradley Beal, Cassius Winston, Chandler Hutchison. So uh, still will be very involved with the Wizards in a much different capacity and continuing to do social, but also breathing into the communications and PR side, which has been a goal of mine. So uh, moving to Chicago, but obviously we'll be at every Bulls Wizards game possible and uh, cheering from afar. Yeah, I mean it, it goes without saying, but we are we're super happy for you. It, it's it's well deserved. 
and uh, you know, it, it's massive shoes to fill, but um, you know, we, we will, we'll do it, man. And uh, you mentioned it. We went out with a bang here today. This was a super fun interview with uh, Josiah Johnson and we will, uh, we will go there now. Enjoy. All right, we are joined today by Josiah Johnson, aka King Josiah, fifty-four on Twitter, writer, podcaster, famous tweeter. Uh, what else? UCLA basketball player. Um, so we're going to talk all things Russell Westbrook, NBA Twitter, um, your career journey, where you're at now. Um, I don't know where you find the time to eat and, and sleep and, and all that stuff, but uh, thanks for <laughs> taking some time out of your day, man. This is awesome. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate you. And now I have to be, I guess I have to be a Wizards fan. So this is how the game goes. So here we are. <laughs> so Russell Westbrook, you guys are, are, you're both LA guys. You're both uh, UCLA guys. You missed each other by just a couple of years. Yeah. Um, and we'll get to his play on the court and everything that he did to help turn the Wizards season around. But um, more from like your perspective, like the energy, the, the play style, his dunks, his facial expressions, his outfits, all sorts of stuff like that. Where does he rank among current players in terms of providing you with some of the, the fun content that, uh, you know, you've become known for? Well, Russ is a certified legend and uh, just, you know, personifies just the L.A. culture and just being, you know, a real one. And obviously, you know, you talk about the 2020 game back in the day and the salute to Nipsey and everything that he stands for. I think, you know, he's got kind of a, a bad reputation for some reason across the league, even though, you know, he just he plays and gives it hard every night and plays his game like his last. And I think that's really a testament that a lot of people don't know Russ's story. And yeah, you said we missed each other by a few years at UCLA, but me and him were good friends at UCLA. I actually used to live about uh, a quarter of a mile away from campus. And I had, you know, one of the few houses in the area. So some of those guys, I remember literally before the draft, Russ's year, like him, K-Love and a bunch of dudes were over playing foosball at our house where we all went and like hung out. So definitely got to hang out with him and just, you know, be around him as a person. And I remember when he came into UCLA, Ben Howland, who was my coach, he kind of asked some of the alumni guys like, you know, who are we fans of? And everybody, you know, immediately was like, Russ, like this kid just, he brings it. He, he plays with a lot of intensity, a lot of heart. Didn't play a ton his freshman year, but really came out his second year and just exploded as a sophomore, has some legendary dunks and just, just the heart and energy he plays with and knowing his whole story and his background playing at Losinger, you know, coming up back in the day, losing one of his best friends so tragically, but, but stepping up to the plate and going to the kid's house and doing chores for him and stuff, you know, once he had passed away, just, you know, you hear these stories about Russ and, you know, the kind of joke when we were around is uh, my, my teammate Lorenzo Mata lived in Westwood with uh, my former teammate, Quinn Hawking and, and Russ would be at their house every day during the summer, just cause he lived so far away, sleeping on their couch and stuff. But he used to have this just terrible beater of a car that he used to literally have to like pour a gallon of water into just to get like the engine to start. And, you know, you fast forward after the draft, a couple of months later now, here's this kid, you know, driving a Mercedes. So just really indicative of what hard work gets you in. You know, everybody kind of uses like the 50, 40, 90 as this, this immaculate kind of achievement and, uh, you know, a benchmark, which it absolutely is. But you're talking about Russ now, I believe he was averaged four, four triple doubles, you know, in seasons. And for some reason now people devolve kind of playing that all around game and just all the energy he brings. Is, it's like, you know, people who don't really play basketball use terminology like, oh, he's, he's stat padding or he's a stat chaser. And it's like, if you've ever played in a basketball game, I don't really know how you accomplish that by playing hard, I guess is the, the first and easiest way. And it's really bringing that energy and fight to the table. Obviously him and Brad Bill in that squad where they're able to start the season. Obviously everybody kind of, you know, was a laughing stock of the league but really turn themselves into a playoff team. So I think that's really a testament to, to Beal and the rest of the squad, but also what Russ brings as a leader and just his intensity and his, his you know, unwavering need to be successful. You kind of touched upon someone laughed like last night was like, what was it like this past season with Russ? And 
what do you think you know there's all these things that people say about him I was like he was the opposite of what everyone says and I think that's you know we'll see more of that uh in his post-playing career when the real stories come out and stuff but for now he's focused on playing but for you for what you do I mean for those who somehow don't know uh your style on Twitter and stuff but how much uh content did, did Brad and Russ kind of give you this year and Russ through the years of just like just things to talk about between their fashion the memes and everything like that well, when you talk about Brad and Russ, you talk about just two amazing stand-up guys. Guys, I both feel like don't really get the respect and credit they deserve. Brad is just a, you know, a dead-eye knockout shooter, and he's a dude. And him and Russ, and Russ always just for me, just the the elaborate fashion sense. But just that's Russ in a nutshell. You kind of like even when we knew him in college, he was a guy who was just waiting to break out of his shell, and all the tremendous stuff he does on the fashion side, but also for his community and giving back and, and the charitable stuff. These are two guys who are just you know amazing guys. And you know when those guys go off, I love to use you know pro pro Russ and pro Brad brad memes but you know if they're not having the greatest game i'll generally just shy away from that out of respect and love for those guys especially russ westbrook you know westbrook's a legend and an icon so anything i do is always you know like favorable and not really trying to be trolling and really just trying to be respectful of him and his family who i know well and i don't want to have to see russ in these streets and have to uh, you know deal, deal with any potential backlash but both guys who, for me, are, are just super memeable. And just to see your franchise, obviously, like I said, I'm not a Wizards fan or whatever, and I appreciate you guys having me on. But to see any team kind of be a laughing stock and everybody clowning and getting their jerks off, jokes off early in the season and to see that team now come back, make the playoffs, and, you know, really be out there performing at a super high level is just, you know, as an NBA fan, you, you can't really love the NBA and NBA Twitter without seeing those stories. And there's always obviously a winner and a loser in every situation, but that's what I think the community thrives on. We find the memes and find the jokes. And, you know, one game Paul George can be getting just slandered to oblivion. The next game he's playoff P again, and he, he's slandering back. So, you know, the game is the game. One more Russ question. From your perspective, when it comes to, to content and getting Twitter going, power rank these three Russell Westbrooks. Arrival and fashion Russ, in-game, on-court Russ, and then post-game media Russ. How, how do you rank those three and where they stand in terms of getting people going on Twitter? Well, you know, younger Russ, uh, post-game media, uh, I think it was, you know, he was an icon and a legend. And the thing about Russ, I was laughing, kind of wish that I would be amongst those media scrums. So I would know the question to actually get him to answer. And it's kind of like Marshawn Lynch. And I laugh at the media. It's like, if you come with like a, a question that obviously is not of high journalistic value and it's just throwing some stuff out there. It's like, yeah, he's going to call you out on that stuff. He, he's not a guy who has the patience or time. That's something I ultimately really respect because, you know, there's a relationship you have to have with the media, but they also need to be, you need to be respectful of the media, but the media also needs to be respectful of you and the question that they're asking and not trying to take advantage of you or put you in a situation to paint you in a terrible light, which we deal, we deal on both sides, right? So I know the questions I could ask somebody that, that paint them in a bad light versus the stuff that's respectful to get an answer that I'm looking for. But, you know, Russ, uh, post-game media stuff has always been the stuff of legend. Honestly, those stuff has become like, you know, they probably need to NFT him because they're at a level of just like Hall of Fame, GOAT greatness. And, but also pregame show up, Russ. Like I think about back in the day when he was in OKC and he showed up in like the Willie Beeman, like like football outfit. Or I, I think I used a meme going into the uh, playoffs just so of all the outfits he was going to be wearing when he was at the playoffs. So Russ, for me, is like, you never what he's gonna, you know he's going to do next. And, you know, he's one of a few guys in the league. Reminds me of like my dad playing the 70s and early 80s, but the way they used to dress back then, like super flamboyant, super out there. And when they show up, you, you know that these guys are the man. I think he dresses like he wants you to know who he is. And you can't dress like that and not put up a triple-double, just to be honest. What, like, where did all this start for you uh, to kind of get to this point, kind of like your background and um, 
I mean, you played and, and all that, but when did you get interested in kind of the media side and then just like kind of jumping on NBA Twitter and like, how long do you feel like you were, I mean, we could have done the research, but it's more fun to hear it from you. Like how long did it take for you to kind of get noticed for what you were doing uh, comedically, especially? Uh, really for me, like I, I played basketball at UCLA, had a pretty good high school career, uh, realized very early on in UCLA that I wasn't as good as I assumed that I was and <laughs> got humbled very quickly by guys that went on to be pro. You know, you talk about a ton of guys, Trevor Ariza, so Jordan Farmars, Earl Watson, Matt Barnes, Dan Gadzerich, Ryan Hollins, like, you know, you can, the list goes on and on. Like we were putting hitters out during that point. So definitely got to a point where I was at peace with it. But all those those moments and just being in the locker room with guys and cracking jokes and being able to hang, when you're in the locker room with 15 to 17 guys, you know, guys are going to try to come at you. They're going to test you. They're going to they're joke and clown and you can't really be in your feelings. You got to be able to respond back and just keep the mood light. And, you know, you travel with these guys, you, you know, you, you go and give your, your, your blessed sweat and tears with them with practice and games and all this good stuff and become brothers. But there's also the lighter side of when you're just hanging out, you know, shooting stuff and just having, having a good time. So I always kind of thrived in those moments. It was pretty good. And really I, I attribute that to my dad and my older brother, Chris, who also played at UCLA, but he was probably one of the, Chris, one of the funniest dudes think I've ever ever seen but just his ability to be quick-witted on his toes and in any moment he can do things where like you know the players would get it and he might be talking to a fan or someone or whatever and he would just kind of turn into characters but if you knew him you know he was just messing around but you know for the outside world they, they wouldn't be in on it so just stuff like that but after I finished college kind of just did stuff in the sports entertainment side sports production side was running a website called Jersey Chaser with a couple of buddies of mine just for uh you know for fun but we basically wanted to be you know, dis a disruptor counterculture. Like we were super supportive of athletes and always tried to see things in their views, but also never cared about the stats and all that stuff. We just wanted to know what the jokes were. So if a guy had a booger in a game or whatever it may be, that was the stuff that we would really key and hone in on and just having a good time. But we did a bunch of parody videos and content and stuff like that. Ended up getting the attention of some guys that worked in the animation space that ended up leading to the creation of Legends of Chamberlain Heights, which was based on my experiences at UCLA, about three bench warmers in high school, but you know, all just kind of centered around me and my, my teammate, Quinn Hawking, my other teammate, Ike Williams, and our experiences riding the bench at UCLA and going on road trips and talking to each other during games and trying to just keep our attention and keep our morale and spirit and mental health together. But after that, I uh, had the show. And while I was doing that, I, I started just doing kind of some of the social for the show. So I was the, the Twitter manager, really built up that, that account to close to 100,000 followers, but would just spend so much time on Twitter and other social platforms just trying to understand the algorithm, trying to understand what made people laugh, trying to understand the things that made people tick. And through that, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of hours, most of them uh, unpaid, I would just, you know, learn learn all the tricks of the trade and kind of just how to better myself as a creative. That show ended up getting canceled. So I moved everything to my own account. And it was it was a struggle at first because I'm not really a social media guy. I remember I had a group of friends, uh, former teammates that they'd be in these group chats using all these memes and all this stuff. And I couldn't really compete. So they ended up like kicking me out of the group chat just because I didn't understand memes and what was going on. So that kind of humbled me again later in life. And it was like, all right, this is, I need to understand this world and culture because this is how people communicate. So I just spent a lot of time, you know, testing out material, like good stuff, bad stuff, obviously getting ratioed and slandered by the internet will, will definitely strengthen you and teach you how this game works, which I know you guys know, you know, running a team account where you got to go at other, other squads and, you know, it's, it's a constant battle. It's almost like you guys are playing a game as well on social one up in each other. I got to salute the Hawks social team for, or the, the Bucks social team for the Nuck if you buck, you know, Hawks troll after they had a crime mob at the game performing, but just stuff like that where, you know, people just think that they don't really understand the methodology and how difficult it is to be on this side. But for me, the first real moment 
where I was like, okay, I might have a, a future in this world. And this might be a real deal was I used a, I made a, a, a transformative meme of get out uh, to involve uh, Antonio Brown and, or excuse me, and yeah, AB, AB and Josh Gordon when he got to the Patriots and used a scene from that movie and kind of <laughs> we put that together. Jordan Peele ended up seeing it and I'm just like, oh, you know, oh man. And then Jordan Peele ended up hitting it and he said, you win Josiah, that was his quote tweet. I literally got a t-shirt of it made, I haven't worn it yet. Just I haven't really felt like stunning too much on people, but you know, and then the, the most recent moment, obviously, uh, you know, was after the, the Nets game. Uh, I think Bruce Brown didn't take a shot or he took a shot, he took that bad floater towards the end of the game and missed. And I, I put up just a clip from Harlem Knights just messing around and uh, LeBron ended up seeing and, you know, hit me like two or three times, which was like, you know, for me, just a phenomenal, phenomenal moment. Ended up calling me the GOAT, which was completely unexpected. And I'm still kind of riding that that wave and on that cloud right now. So it has me really feeling some type of way about myself. And I'm super appreciative of LeBron for the love. So, I mean, your dad is like such a legend in like the traditional media game, you know what I mean? Calling games and stuff like that. What are the conversations like with him when it comes to you guys occupying each of you spaces in like this NBA media landscape, but they could not be more different. Like I can, you know, I, I, he's probably somebody that's, you know, up and caught up on things and knows how it works and stuff like that. But I can also see him totally just being like, what, like, what the hell is going on? Like how, like, how are you, you know, carving out such a name for your stuff, doing what you're doing. It's such a funny juxtaposition between the two of you guys. He's, he's a cool old dude. I'll say that. So he's always hip and plugged in and tapped in and what's going on. And uh, my, my younger brother uh, just turned 21 is uh you know so he's uh he's plugged in and tapped in to everything that's cool going on in the universe i don't think he really understood the kind of value of it i would just kind of be preaching to him and we do like a dunk video for him every year so he kind of realizes then because that thing will do anywhere from two to three to four million views like lebron saw that too and, and, and gave him love and praise and stuff i think he's starting to really understand the value of social because he's funny and that's i really just try to impress upon him all the time it's like you have a unique perspective voice you know so much one of you know he's emmy award-winning in, in his position you have all this knowledge and info share it with your fans and followers that's essentially what twitter is people either want jokes uh, insight some you know some inside information access all those type of things which he's really starting to get into it now it's funny he uh so i was in i was doing an nba twitter live with the good, good folks at tnt and that whole crew out there in atlanta and we're texting each other because I'm literally staying. He doesn't. He does the Bucks games, but they, they only work for the first round. But so we're, I'm at the uh, Four Seasons hanging out with Channing Fry, and the Bucks are staying there. So I just hit him like, "Yo, the Bucks are here," and he hits me back like, "Yo, man, um, uh, you know, Tyler Crater wants to do something with me. Uh, should should I do it?" And this is literally like a day after Tyler dropped his album. I'm just like, "What well, yeah, do you Go yeah, like go do that." He proceeds to post photos there, and that's been you know one of his most successful posts. And I don't even think he still realizes who Tyler the Creator is or just the magnitude of what that moment meant. But him seeing the reaction of people he knows and kind of it's like, oh, wow, well, maybe I, sh I should really jump more into this. But he's super smart. Where, like I said, where I got a lot of my ism from him and my older brother, just in terms of the quick wittedness, the comedy and not taking things too serious. Always just kind of find the, the, the softer side and the lighter side and everything that we have and just being appreciative of everything we have in life. How much is it killing him not to be able to call these games? Not the Bucks are basically as far as they've been since 71. Uh, it's, it's, it's a tough road, but he's also like, he's got, he's got kids and family. Like it's, it, you know, so he's, he's, he's burnt out by the end of the season as it is. And he, yeah. he's a, a writer and he's working on a lot of other projects. He's got a feature film that he's in the process of shopping around and, and other stuff that he's really super passionate about. So he's, he's excited to see the Bucks performing this, this way. I know he's been in communication with players on the team and coaches and just kind of always just giving them positives. But like I told him, you know, if the Bucks go to the finals, we got to get out there. Like we got to, you know, that's, right. that's a once in a lifetime experience. And I think that's something he should really 
be able to appreciate and enjoy working for the team. And me as a son, I think I should also be able to enjoy that as well <laughs> and, and, and turn up. Well, I mean, hey, if that season's still going along, it might not be as easy for him to say yes to Tyler, the creator, right? Uh, you know, he, I mean, Tyler might trump that just as long because Tyler's like five minutes away. Obviously, Milwaukee's uh, he's he. He, he commutes back and forth between L.A. and Milwaukee, so it's a, it's a little bit longer trip, but there's no telling also, with him. We're underselling it a little bit. That photo also included Bill Walton, so God only knows what was going on between that group. Yeah. I'm sure we'll all figure out at some point. But it, and, there it, other, and I got to give a shout-out because everybody's at the, 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 the third gentleman in the picture is my high school coach, Bob Webb, who's also a member of those UCLA squads, played with Bill and played with my dad, so he's a legend as well. Definitely was a national champion. But that's just the, the hitter crew, and I think Coach Webb's actually – you know, through a, through a mutual friend of ours, one of my classmates who he stepped in, stayed in contact with, I think hooked up that whole thing. So it's kind of like, it's beautiful how life works, you know, going forward, like 20 years after the fact, you know, people are still connected and hanging out and turning up and, and, and doing cool things with Tyler, the creator. Yeah, no doubt. Just a couple more before we get out of here. I want to ask you just a little bit more about like NBA Twitter in general. When somebody who's not necessarily plugged into the landscape asks you what you do and you kind of have to explain you know, what NBA Twitter is to them. How do you describe it? Uh, I mean, NBA Twitter to me is just a community made up of just some, some amazing legendary people who are super active, super interested and super in love with just the game of basketball. Also their teams, players, and all different types of, you know, affiliations. And it's just, it's a thriving, robust community that's ever evolving. But at the end of the day, we're all watching the games. We're all seeing things. We're all noticing trends. And really it's a community that, that expands beyond NBA Twitter into pop culture, black Twitter, you know, all the other different forms of Twitter. Sometimes it could be politics, Twitter, sometimes it's, 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 it's TV, Twitter, whatever, but it's being able to take for me, especially take all the things that are going on in the world, pop culture, whatever it may be, and correlate those to what's going on in the, in the NBA world. And generally I have a knack of doing that a lot faster than some people. I can just see things and know right away, oh, this reminds me of the scene from WandaVision or whatever it may be. This, this, this archaic, this random scene from Boys in the Hood that a lot of people, you know, probably don't remember as soon as they see it, it's like, oh man, like this is exactly what's going on right now. But I think to see the community and all the different stuff, man, for me, it's, it's super cool just to see people. I, I, I'm big on monitoring people's accounts and their growth and just how they're doing as platforms and how they're doing as brands and also reaching out to people and letting them reach out to me and just ask them for advice of just how to approach and attack things. But you got to give a shout out to T TJ and the crew at, at Twitter Sports first and foremost for just creating a community that, you know, like they've, they've definitely been super embracing the community, reaching out to, to people that are active and, and being in the space and just figuring out ways to make it better, bringing everybody together, really just doing cool events and activations and things. And it's cool now because it used to be kind of faceless. Like there were, there were the bigger names, you know, the Woges and all that, the worldwide wops and that now, but you've got so many people now that are kind of affiliated with different teams and, and they're, they're growing and rising in their own stature. And I really feel like it's kind of replacing the journalism model of old where you have to be a really active, thriving member of NBA Twitter to be able to succeed in, in anything you're doing on the NBA side. If that's working in TV, the journalistic stuff, any of that stuff, like you have to be an active, thriving member of NBA Twitter. They're just a humongous community here of just talented people that it's amazing to see. Like, you know, the most recent thing I, th I think I saw was Black Dragon Roll. Uh, did a did a video. It was like a Welcome to Atlanta video. Then it quickly flipped to a a Kevin Herter Rick roll. Right. And yeah. for me, just one of the most. You know, as you're watching this video, because I'm even watching the Welcome to Atlanta portion. Like, all right, I'm gonna get excited because that beat just gets you hyped for whatever's gonna once that beat drops. But then it hits me with the the Rick roll with with Kevin Herter highlights. And I'm just like, oh, this is this is this is something that you know I had to DM him recently. Just like, yo, this is probably one of the greatest things I've ever seen. So, but stuff like that. We all hopefully I think a lot of us support each other. Want to see each other doing well and. 
it's it's a competition, but more friendly. Like I know, like I said, you guys work in a team account. You guys got to compete with other team accounts. And I'm sure there's some social teams that come in trying to flex, flex their chest and act like they're all that. And there's others where it's like, yo, you got to humble them sometimes. So, you know, if they come into a game talking spicy, you might have to hit them with that, 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 that top roper, you know, after, at the end of the game, but that's the world. I think at the end of the day, we all respect each other, like each other and want to see each other succeed. Once Woj drops his first meme, we'll know the evolution is complete, right? It's coming. <laughs> it's coming. The last thing my end is just like, do you, how, how far in advance do you like prepare for this or do you have to react because a lot of the stuff is real time? I mean, you know, from our end, we don't have a ton of planning unless it looks like the team's going to win essentially, but you never know what's going to flip. It's the NBA. You might be down 26 and lose with a minute, whatever left in the third quarter. So it's hard. There's, I don't have quite as many, you know, like I know working for like a professional sports brand or whatever, probably have to wait till the game in zeros or there's just absolutely, you know, they got to be up 40 with, right. with 30 seconds to go. Cause like you said, that 26 point lead going in the fourth quarter, sometimes that looks great. Right. You want to start getting your jokes out. The next thing you know, you're down five and it's like, wait, what, what just happened? And now you're getting ratioed and old takes exposed and all that stuff. So I try to just be as plugged in as possible with what's going on in the world, whether that's NBA, Twitter, pop culture, everything to know, but I never try and go in like, oh, I'm gonna use this meme for that or this meme for that. Sometimes I'll see a meme and I'll be like, oh, this will be great to use for Steve Ballmer or whoever, Bill Belichick or whatever it may be. Like, I'm, you know, there's like the old white guy dancing meme when it first came out. Like, oh, this pretty much any pop, this is any any old white guy that wins the game, you know, you can get this off. This could be Phil Jackson after the Bulls went 72 and 10. So more like that, like kind of seeing where these things could potentially plug in at. But once we're in the game, in the moment, like I put up one recently with the Nets when they started doing the Giannis count, like we're all watching that live. And, and in that moment, that's when I really try to, to hit things that are, you know, here's it's unique, it's funny, but it's stuff that people, you know, it's, it's in their wheelhouse. And when they see it, they're just like instantly drawn to it. Josiah, this was great, man. Thank you so much for uh, for taking the time and and keep doing your thing and, and making, you know, these, these months and months of NBA playoff basketball even more fun than they already are. It's a whole different element to, to following the game and, and you're obviously one of the best doing it. So thanks for coming on and kind of sharing some insight into how you do it. I appreciate you guys so much, man. And I guess, like I said, I'm, I'm a Wizards fan by default. So if some Wizards gear happened to find its way to my house, you will see me wearing it. We might know a guy. You you beat me to the to the last thing I was gonna say. Expect some gear to drop uh yeah, real soon for you. I'm I'm loyal I'm loyal to the bag. So whoever comes through and gets my <laughs> respect, like I'm with it. I just got some UCLA Nike gear today that I'll be rocking proudly around the city July first once we when switch over. But you know, whatever whatever gets sent and I'm rocking with it and it fits, I'm wearing it. So I appreciate you guys. Love it. Thanks, man. This is awesome. All right, take care.